Hey folks, welcome to episode 83 of Biomast. Uh, so as usual, I try to come up with something kind of snappy about eight, the number 83 and often fail. Well, well, not necessarily the number 83, but whatever number that we happen to be on. So the only thing I can come up with, since it is a Sunday and I do like to watch football, is that 1983 was the uh, probably the most historically uh, good quarterback draft uh, in NFL history. That uh, gave you John Elway, Dan Marino, Jim Kelly... Uh, let's see. And then you had a couple other guys out there, Ken O'Brien, Tony Eason, uh, and then Todd Blackledge, who is still on ESPN, I think, as a commentator. So some of the, some of the greats came out of that class, and that's the only cool thing I could come, over, come up with for the uh, number 83. And that probably passed by about half of the folks in the room who weren't even alive uh, in the year of 1983. So that's totally okay, too. Uh, but we, we do have kind of a grab bag show tonight of some pretty cool topics. We're going to talk a little bit about a couple of the games that, uh, that we've been playing. Uh, I've been diving into world of tanks on the PS4, uh, spoiler, it's freaking good. Uh, and then Zell has got some more star citizen news and I think he's actually got a little bit more hands on, uh, that he can talk to us about. It's, it's, he reportedly he's fairly excited. Now I don't know if that's good, excited or bad, excited. We'll see. Uh, we also, we're going to talk a little bit about some uh, comic book movie news here today because we do that on, on occasion, and we had a couple of cool trailers came out this week, and we'll do uh, to throw that out there for discussion. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we've got a couple other topics we'll get to. Uh, one of them's uh, moderately serious or pretty serious, so we'll, uh, we'll touch on that probably up front in the show, and then a little bit about kind of online gaming, the online gaming community and how it's kind of uh, evolved over time, so... Like I said, kind of a, a grab bag of topics tonight, but they all should actually be really fun. Uh, so without further ado, let's go ahead and bust out some intros. And Bate, we're going to lead off with you, brother. Yep, it's you, Bate. Oh, sorry. Um, hey, everybody. My name is Awa Bate. I'm a member of the Incorruptibles Corporation in Dust and a writer for the uh, Biomass blog. And that pause won't seem nearly as awkward once we cut out all the silence. Yeah, that's the beauty of that's the beauty of live radio and computer editing. <laughs> so, it's when we first started doing the show, when we'd have these like really awkward sort of pauses like that, when somebody was like didn't couldn't key the mic or whatever, we were we would sweat that and we didn't want to sound like total buffoons. Now we've just accepted our buffoonery and we let the magic of editing take care of it. So uh, on to bigger and better better things, uh, Zell. Better? <laughs> That's well, probably the, that is the closest thing you've gotten to a compliment for me. I think the entire run of this. Um, no, I've I, said I said good stuff about you on occasion. If somebody else wasn't listening. Okay. All right. I, I just I just thought it was worthy of note. Um, I'm Sir Isel. Um, I was on the CPM. I'm a co-host here on the show, and um, I I don't I don't think Batman should ever have an assault rifle. We, yes, we will get into this in detail at some point in the show. Um, so, onto our our additional member of the uh, the dirty quarter dozen here, uh, Pokey. Hey, I'm Pokey Draven from OSG Planetary Operations. I write for the blog sometimes. I'm a co-host here on the show. And he does art stuff too, by the way. Quite good at it. Uh, and I'm Jason Laris. I'm I'm also a member of the Biomass Podcast, obviously. I do not contribute to the blog, although I read it occasionally and comment at it and throw links at people. 
so uh, other than that, it's it, I would like to draw the attention to uh, the biomass.com website because the guys, uh, and, and I, I say this with no joke, they have put an incredible amount of time and effort into making that a pretty professional uh, website that brings a lot of different news about different products out there, not just CCP products, uh, but gaming products in general. And that's also where you can find all of our uh, our previous shows with the show notes on there. So I really highly re- highly recommend that you go out to uh, biomass.com. It's, it, it is a pretty legit website and great work by uh, Pokey and Zell on that. And Bait has uh, definitely been helping out with the, the blog over the last several months. So without further ado, uh, I, I did I did mention it in the intros uh, that we wanted to talk about something that was a bit more serious than our normal fare. And we, we uh, you know, this is something that happens occasionally where real life bleeds into gaming. And it is one of those things where uh, I find it best to just go ahead and tackle it kind of head on and, and speak about it in fairly plain terms. So uh, as many people around the world are, are aware, uh, there was a, an incident in San Bernardino, California this last week. Uh, what, which is now classified as a terrorist attack, uh, uh, where I believe 14 people were killed and 21 others were wounded or injured. So pretty, pretty horrific, and that's that's probably the appropriate word to use. Uh, where that is bringing that into full circle to our normal audience, one of the one of the victims, one of the uh, the uh, the folks that was killed there, uh, is a guy by the name of Robert Adams or Rob Adams. Uh, he was known as Photon Torpedo from the Bastion Alliance and EVE Online. A fairly well-known player in uh, the CFC, uh, very well-liked generally. Uh, and uh, this is one of those periods where, again, real life touches your sort of gaming gaming community, your, your other life, if you will. And uh, I, I did not know Robert personally. Uh, this has gone out over the EVE, EVE channels, which... You know, as as most folks know, a lot of us in here at some point have been uh, associated with, and it is this happens periodically. But the thing about Eve Online is generally a much more older, much older community uh, in terms of actual physical age. Uh, so you have a lot of professional people that play the game, and uh, Robert Adams worked at the uh, the Department of of environmental health and the the location where they where they were working at was basically a help center or a treatment center for folks with disabilities, um, with mental disabilities or with just functional occupational problems. Uh, they had an aut- autism therapy clinic there. Quite a few different things that they were doing, and I don't think anybody could say that uh, the work they were doing in the, in there uh, wasn't probably a good thing for the community writ large. Uh, in that part of California. So anyway, uh, our, our thoughts go out to, or at least my thoughts go out to Robert Adams family. He's survived by a wife and a daughter, uh, Savannah and, uh, summer. And I wanted to pass along that, uh, there is a GoFundMe out there and I, I normally do not pitch these things, but I wanted to do this, uh, mostly because, Again, it's one of those intersections of real life and your gaming life. And you can choose to not go to it. You can choose to, you know, tinfoil about it or whatever. That's okay. You know, I, I'm saying for, you know, those of you that do care or that are interested, I would recommend that you go to the GoFundMe.com and look up support for summer and Savannah. Support for summer ampersand Savannah. 
uh, and you will see uh, the GoFundMe. It's been vetted and verified that that is actually a third-party uh, GoFundMe that's set up to, and the money goes directly to uh, the family of Robert Adams. This has been put out uh, pretty heavily by the Matani.com over the last couple, three days. Uh, I do recommend that you go check it out. Uh, if you want to donate, please feel free. Uh, I generally do not recommend people donate to anything unless you, your heart's into it. Uh, I will personally put a little bit into it. And like I said, we did want to put the word out on this one that uh, it's something that touches that intersection into what is normally a stress relief or a place of, you know, a place of friendship. Uh, and then you have a little bit of tragedy that kind of gets injected into the process. And that happens in real life occasionally. So uh, we did want to mention that up front and we will again, circle back to it when we close the show out and remind everybody, please go to the GoFundMe site and at least check it out. Uh, and I do recommend that you go to the Matani.com and, and take a look. Uh, it's a, I think the title of the article is uh, Bastion Pilot Among San Bernardino Victims. So uh, w- without, uh, without further ado, I just, well, we can move on from that, but I did want to put it out there up front. So one of the things that uh, this got me thinking about, uh, you know, with the incident with, uh, with Photon, and it's not even, I'm not even really sure how, what to classify it, is sort of how, the, how our gaming communities have kind of sprung up over the last several years. When I was in college, this was not even really a thing. It was probably, well, it was probably just at the beginnings of, of becoming a, a semi-normal activity for, for folks where you would have a social circle of people that you physically had prob- probably never met. Um, and then over the intervening couple decades, and yeah, it's been about that long since I was in college, um, this is very much the norm. In fact, every, this podcast is a great example of how far we've gone in this world. So we, we were brought together by video games into a very niche little video game like the guys here on this podcast. And we have our social circles in like our real life, walking around life, have different professions, wildly different locations uh, and professions and, and personal views in, in, for that matter. But because we had a common thing that brought us together and we were able to talk in a fairly neutral setting uh, for maybe months or years in some case, I've known Pokey for several years now, um, you get to be pretty good friends with folks, and it's it, it is sometimes mildly relevant that you've never met them in real life. But and that doesn't you know as I've tried to explain to people uh, that doesn't preclude you from becoming friends with people or getting to know them quite well actually, even if they're just a voice or an icon on your screen. So I did want to kind of open it up and we can just chat about it real quick. Uh, I'm kind of curious what the the first actual online gaming community you got into into was and sort of what what was it like and you know when you first got in versus now and I, if you don't mind guys we'd kind of go around the horn and I'd, I'd be very interested to hear your take on like what you got into first and uh and sort of what kept you interested in dealing with folks that you've never met physically in, in the context of video games uh, so if you don't mind i'd like to start maybe with pokey and we can kind of just talk that out a little bit yeah, so the first online community I was really ever part of is uh, when I got my PlayStation 3. Um, I had it for a little bit and played some games on it, but really when the game Mag came out, that's when I started kind of looking on you know, a video game forums and actually looking at the community and whatnot and was actually very surprised. I mean, I had, I had been on online communities before, but it was for you know, other topics, and I was actually a little shocked to see one that was uh, as 
you know, large and fervent as, as the mag forums were. And I, I actually started getting involved and, you know, chatting with people a lot and, and, you know, doing a lot of the stuff I actually ended up doing with dust, but, you know, I met a couple guys, uh, <laughs> which, uh, they were, they started OSG, um, back in the mag days. And, you know, I, I started hanging out with them, playing the games with them and, you know, talking about, you know, the, the sort of stuff you talk about in the forums, but pretty soon you find out that, you know, you're adding these guys on Facebook, you're chatting about other stuff, you're talking about, you know, your your girlfriends, something nice you had to eat, you know, that for dinner that, that night. But I mean, it's, it, it, it's amazing when I look back now to think that I, I went into this online community, you know, kind of naive and, and not really understanding, you know, what an online group of friends could, could be like, and how quickly it evolved into something that, like you said, Jay, it doesn't preclude just because they're online doesn't preclude them from being becoming really good friends. I mean, some of these people are, you know, incredible and I've, I've met them in real life too. And, you know, it's, it's really impressive. And I, I think that it's, it's showing that, you know, you just because you're not hanging out with the guy every Saturday, you know, having a beer, talking on the front porch doesn't mean that you're not good friends. And I think that, you know, gaming in many ways opens up doors to expose you to, you know, new groups of people, places, you, people you wouldn't normally talk to because they're in a different country. I mean, I up until then, I had never spoken to somebody from another country. You know, I hadn't talked to a British guy or an Australian guy or or whatever. And pretty soon, we're all sitting in the same room having a conversation, you know, sh- you know shooting the shit both in-game and just talking. And it's really enlightening. And I, I think it's it's something that a lot of people that aren't part of the gaming community don't really understand, but it's something that certainly has a lot of value. And uh, it's actually very amazing to see, you know, uh, firsthand. Yeah, that that's a, it's, I'll go ahead and kind of tip in and go second. Um, I, I've played a lot of multiplayer games. I've played a lot of games that had a online component to it, but rarely did I ever dabble into it. Uh, all, and, and, or if I did, it was, I was the classic no mic, no voice, no nothing guy. And it was just playing the game. There just happened to be other people in the same arena or whatever as me. Uh, I played mag actually for a little, for a very, very brief moment in time and, and thoroughly enjoyed it. Then mag kind of went away and, and dust, dust started. That's actually where I met pokey and and quite a few other folks. Uh, and it was also one of the the members of OSG many moons ago, still am technically. And, um, that was probably dust was actually the first time I got involved in, uh, being a, a community member or a team member, if you will. I I never liked the whole clan thing or whatever. It, It was just not my thing, but the way dust was ran in terms of the corporations and such, that was very interesting to me. Um, and the fact that it, it, the group that I got into was much more uh, generally much more much older or more older and more mature than most people that you you get on in terms of you know Call of Duty or Battlefront you hear on comms. So that was uh, Dust Five One Four was probably the first one, and, and really that's really create a lot of lasting and very sticky sort of in a good way, sticky kind of networks uh, in the online gaming community. Even as people branch out into other games, I always have a lot of um, conversations with people that used to play dust and we happen to recognize each other. So that's really been the first one. And, and I would say the other one would probably be Eve online in general, because I played that for a while and, and I've I actually had two actual goes at Eve online. The first one, I was the, cla- again, classic played-by-myself guy. And EVE Online is 
like a absolutely ruthless game if you try to play it solo and it, and it it is not literally not designed or geared to really be able to do that very well so quit and then a couple years later got back into it uh about the same time i got back into dust because they were for those of you that don't know for the few people that, that listen that don't know uh they, they were um joined products joined gaming products from ccp so i got back into into eve online and actually knew a lot of people and uh so that's that's what brought me in and, and i would just again offer is kind of when i first uh when i first started looking at this back in like the late 90s when i was coming out of college this was really you know like having a bit having a circle of friends or a network of people that you that you believe it or not you could you could trust um that you'd never physically met that was just unheard of it was not a it was literally not a not a concept not a thing and now it is i think an accepted social it is a social norm in today's society where it's uh, not only is it is an accepted practice but it's it's evolved to the point where uh, it, it is such a, a normal course of people's life that you can meet people from any number of different interest groups that you choose to be a part of uh, so it's pretty pretty cool um Zell, what about you man I have a I have an important question before I start. How much shame and humiliation would you like me to sign myself up for? Because that that just All determines how early I start talking about when I got into gaming communities. All of it. I, I'm gonna assume that you were you were probably the classic uh, guy with like that couldn't shave till he was like 19 and probably like did a lot of Dungeons and Dragons when you were a kid. So you probably played a lot of games. Is that about right? So, yes, right. that is so, right. So, <laughs> well, now Dungeons and Dragons probably isn't too far off. Um, but uh, so I really, I didn't, I started getting into online communities when I was like thirteen-ish. So it's like, oh god, that's that's like that was half my life ago. It's just sad. Okay, um, so uh, I actually I started with um actually more like uh email email based role playing like um actual actually writing stories um and that was where I, where i really was for the first I, I, you know four or five years that i was really involved in online communities is that i was writing characters um in emails and forums and stuff like that and um I actually when i was actually pretty young was when i first started and there was uh, actually talking to people that i'd met online in an out of online context um which i'm sure terrified my parents um but uh you know, there it, it was always a really weird thing to me because I I would talk to someone for for years online, and then the first time I would call them on the phone, that would be really really strange to me because their voice doesn't match what you perhaps imagine that they might sound like. Um, and and now obviously this is commonplace. You know, we we use Skype and and uh, mumble and whatnot, but back then it was really weird to even, for for me to even talk to someone on on an actual telephone on a landline. Um, that. Uh, you know, you, you met online. Um, and, uh, this, this kind of, you know, and then I actually got into world of Warcraft, um, which is the second half of my shame after being the equivalent of a, a text LARPer. Um, but, uh, I played world of Warcraft. That was the first game that I really played in, in kind of like the, uh, a, a guild setting. I did a lot of, um, uh, raiding for a while. Um, there was a point where I was like the 20th best uh, healing druid on my server or something stupid like that and i that was the year that i i spent 168 days of active playtime which meant that yeah i was i was on the game half of my life that year which was sad um 
And uh, then I tried. I, I decided to try some other MMOs. Um, I picked all of the MMOs I could find that looked decent and had free trials. Eve was one of them. Um, and I thought it was a lot of fun, and so, or at least it was pretty. Um, and so I joined it, and I never was good at it at all. And then Dust became a thing. And I, I was much more attached to Dust than I ever was to Eve. Um, so, yeah. So I've, I've really, I started the goal with what I did in Dust at the beginning was to try and create kind of a Dust presence for my Eve Alliance when the games were eventually more convergent. Obviously that was very pointless. And uh, um, Dust actually did survive, outlive my Eve Alliance. So there was that. Yeah, no, that's... Is that, that enough shame for you? No, that's not shame. I mean, if you think about it, from your like you're what twenty seven, right? I I soon. Sure. Uh, so that's it, it, you know from an age bracket wise, I I don't think what you were describing is out of the norm. I think it's probably about right. I mean, I'm I'm forty one, and th- you know, like I said, because I was in college twenty years ago, and that's about you know seventeen twenty years ago anyway, and that that was definitely. A, you know, just a different age bracket experience. The uh, so I think we, you know, we come to, we come to it from a different angle. I mean, it's, yeah, and the, it's all good. The other thing that was that was really weird, kind of just to watch the transition, is that you know when when I first was in gaming communities, it was really it was really weird for people to um, share their real name. You know, everything was always under nicknames or f- character names or fake names or whatever, and you really would maybe learn the first name of someone if you talk to them a lot for a year or two or something like that. And now it's, you know, almost everything I do is um, in some way traceable back to my, my real identity. It's just, it's just become a part of life. Um, And actually kind of one of those weird, just, just slightly outside of what you might expect for online community story I can share is um, that uh, those, uh, the, the text-based role-playing games that I mentioned. Um, uh, I have a lot of friends that are are really long-time friends over that. I've met several of them in person. Um, since um, the funniest story is that there are two friends that I knew when they kind of first from the kind of the point they first met each other online. Um, one was from New York, one was from Alabama. Um, they actually got engaged, um, asked me to be their best man. I'd never met them before in person. I flew down to Alabama the day of the wedding, was their best man, and flew back up the next day. It's pretty legit. That's very really cool. Very impressive. <laughs> that was that was literally the first time I met them was like dressed for a wedding. No, I, I think you know what though. That's that's actually pretty indicative of, of today's day and age. How about you, Bate man? What's your uh, what was your your first dabble into uh, the gaming community? Probably about three years ago, when I was about twelve or thirteen, I uh, I got a uh, uh, what was it? It was Star Wars Battlefront, um, like paired in some combo with uh, this both Battlefront games and a game called uh, Star Wars Republic Commando. It was a first person shooter. Really cool game, um, great story. But the multiplayer, uh, I dabbled around in. I met some guys. I joined their fucking clan and uh, did that until until the server shut down. Really, um, and then and then Dust um, was really, um, I guess, where I made my first gaming community forum post um, and really got involved. Uh, to the extent that I am, uh, <laughs> to the extent that I am now, um, you know, before it was like, oh, okay, I'm going to hop on the the uh, Republic Commando server and you know play with you know the guys or whatever and have a fucking clan war or whatever the hell that was um, on some server that some guy made. 
Um, but yeah, I guess that's how I got started. Okay. All right. That's pretty cool. No problem, man. The, um, one thing I have, one thing I have noticed, and, and I think Zell talking probably had the best example of anybody. Um, uh, one of the big things, I think one of the big things that transitioned online communities to being a much more acceptable social norm is sort of these, uh, regular player meetups or it, all the way from big conventions to literally, Hey, everybody that plays, you know, battle duty or Eve online or whatever, uh, meet at such and such bar restaurant, uh, on, you know, the third Friday of the month or whatever to, to have a, a get together. Uh, I think that is actually probably one of the big things that, that broke a lot of the, or at least really broke through a lot of the old social conventions about, uh, how you can build networks like, you know, personal individual networks. Um, and I think Eve online is quite good at that. Actually, they're generally because you're dealing with older people anyway, uh, that have, uh, you know, a life and a little bit of, you know, some semblance of, of liquid assets and a little bit more time on their hands. Uh, Eve online I've noticed is, is quite good as a community at small scale meetups and large meetups. This was even before the big, you know, cons, you know, the comic cons, you know, PlayStation conventions, you know, gamer con, all that kind of good stuff. Um, those are huge events that draw a lot of people that, that are great tools for this kind of stuff. But, but I think a lot of the games that have smaller, very consistent communities or they have consistent, uh, uh, activity within the communities that touch real life. Those are, that's really helped, I think, uh, change sort of the social narrative of how gaming communities started. Um, like I said, I, I did just want to touch on this a little bit, guys, uh, primarily because of the, the, the news and sort of how things can affect you in real life. And I was just kind of curious if you guys had any, any other thoughts or interesting comments about maybe some examples of how an online gaming community was a, was maybe a positive thing for you. I don't know how much of this I, I, I really want to go into, but I mean, you know, I met my only girlfriend through a, through an online community. So there's that. <laughs> That's that's not a bad thing. Although the from what you've told me about how that ended, it it's it's debatable. Where yeah, no, no, yeah. The, the end was was not not fantastic. Yeah, no. I mean, I think that's fair. The um, I have seen. I, I will I will give you an example of something I've seen that I thought was really really good. Uh, so there's a guy named Jay McLean over on the Eve side. He's, he plays a lot of games, but he's, he's pr predominantly known as an Eve guy. He does a lot of podcasts, like, or he's a guest on a lot of podcasts. Um, and he goes, kind of goes by the handle Eve Best of Us or at Eve Best of Us on Twitter. He he's a he's a he's an Army veteran. Um, he and I talked on a couple three occasions. R really really good dude, and he has actually used his the online sort of the online gaming community is, is a way of reaching out to other veterans that uh, maybe need a hand. And he's been quite successful at it as a sort of a, a little, truly like a little uh, community uh, community organizer, community reach out kind of guy. And he actually started getting into it because he, he was having some PTSD challenges and he tells the story quite, quite publicly quite a bit. So it's not breaking any, any uh any any bro friendships here but um jay had some ptsd issues and it's a much safer way of communicating when we're you know you're commuting over communicating over comms and text and 
doing it through the like the platform of a game you know it's it is a it was a friendly medium to do it on and that sort of actually helped uh didn't it, i'm not going to say anything like it healed him or any, any craziness like that but it, it literally gave him a sense of uh of stress relief and it helped him with reestablishing some social connectivity to people and and he's a really good guy very gregarious guy and he actually helps run a lot of the eve online meetups in the northeast around the boston area so that would be a good example of something i i have seen from the gaming community in terms of how it can again has become definitely part of the social norms here in the uh it i would say the wet the western society uh, of uh the modern age all right so we i think we've wrapped that one up for our initial segment which is again that's a little bit heavier than we usually go uh but we did want to we did want to talk a little bit about it because uh it was relevant and and i think we should have so that's kind of how it works so we would like to move on and talk about a couple things that we've been doing this week uh which is sort of what we normally do on this game on this uh, show talk about some games so zell and i both have kind of a topic we can bring up and uh we'll we'll take his take it as it comes uh so zell who is our resident star citizen expert aka the only star citizen expert we have uh i think he's got a little bit of news on the star citizen front and i, I he shared with us a uh, a trailer that they just cut which was really good and and i gotta i gotta say you know chris roberts and, and the gang they make some really good really good trailers so i will i will leave this to zell to describe uh what his actual experience with uh the game has been to date so zell please take it away brother all right so um the the big thing is i mentioned the last two weeks they've had this um kind of alpha 2.0 build out and it's been uh they've been gradually letting people play it um mostly to keep their servers from dying um and the the preface point for it is that it is on the test server and to give it, and their main server is an alpha so this is a alpha version of an alpha version it's very buggy it crashes a lot nobody so it's, it's just like an a then it's like the ah <laughs> <laughs> nobody nobody actually quits the star citizen alpha 2.0 it's you play it until you crash which will be within you know 3 to 5 minutes from when you start it um but uh, you know, so they're they're obviously they're working on the stability issues um, that they have and some of the client crash bugs before uh, they push it out to everyone. Um, but I finally got to play it. Um, I found it super super exciting. Um, I had a ton of really. I I felt like they were really putting that kind of that kind of sandbox feel to it, where they weren't as much worrying about what they were telling me I had to do or should do, but giving me a ship and some platforms I could fly fly to and some things that I could shoot at and letting me see what I could do with them. Um, but I mean, the, the big thing is, is that this is the first time that they have combined really bits and pieces of everything. You, you spawn on a station, um, you can, um, you know, have your ship staged at docks for you. And then you, you can go out, dock your ship, take off, um, quantum travel to other locations. They have some missions you can do. There are some missions that unlock other missions, um, there's a, a station that's there kind of just, you can do FPS combat. Um, and while you, you know, you get in the ship and you fly it out there, you're in the first person all the time. So you're in the ship cockpit or you're running around or you're floating around with an EVA suit or whatever. Um, and there's no, there's no like transition between game modes. It's, it's not like you're going from being in, in, you know, on a ship to being on a station. It's just, you, you know, you, 
park your ship on the platform, and then you turn and get out of your chair and walk out of the hatch. Um, and and that kind of feel was really really cool to to feel that all all put together that way. Um, and so they had some of the first multi cruise ships as well, where you could actually you know there's multiple doors they work you can get in the ship you can fly around there's you know kind of like there's a second console that you can sit in in the ship that controls like some of the shield arrangements and some of the power distribution you can actually configure that from the second seat on the ship and there's turrets you know additional turrets you can man and everything on board the thing um good luck getting your friends and you on the game at the same time in the same instance without crashing though it's actually that that we spent probably an hour trying to get that between a friend of mine and I and we had about Three minutes of fun where I flew the ship that we were on out to this, the other station where um, weapons actually work. And he picked up a rifle and I picked up a rifle and then he killed me and then we both crashed and that was the game. Um, but it was cool because, you know, it, it, we actually got to interact in this, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, well, you have a ship and I have a ship. It, it, we could actually board the same ship, which was a ton of fun. Um, but the other particular experience I had in this game that really was... Um, it set apart to me that what I could maybe do with it as opposed to other games uh, was that I saw someone else boarding um, Constellation, which is a pretty big ship, um, or at least one of the biggest they allow you to fly right now. And uh, he was going in kind of the front door for the ship, and I opened the cargo door of the ship and got in, and he didn't even know I had gotten aboard his ship. And so, um, you know, I kind of hid in the back room, and you can see like this kind of pinching effect even on the in- even on the interior walls when the ship jumps into quantum travel. Um, and then once he jumped out, um, I got out, I, I came up to the front and, um, uh, he had gotten out of his seat and I tried to shoot him. Um, unfortunately it doesn't look like the, the first person weapons actually work outside of that one platform that they put up to test them in the short term. So it didn't let me shoot him, but, uh, he had gotten out of his chair. So I got in the chair <laughs> and then flew his ship somewhere else. Um, so I, I, you know, snuck aboard a ship and then stole it right out from under him, which was um, a lot of fun. So I guess, um, what? So is your general impression positive, or is it? Okay, I mean, you seem like you it was you had a good experience with it, but it was a, and apparently a very short lived experience based on the the technical challenges, right? Yeah, I mean, I I really enjoy what they're building, and I really enjoy that you're, and and this is. Yes, this, there's some analogies here that can be made to dust, for sure. Um, in terms of, I really enjoy what they're putting together, I enjoy the vision, and I'm starting to... The big thing is this is the first build where you can actually see that vision starting to happen, not just hear Chris Roberts talk about it, as Chris Roberts loves to do. Um, but, you know, it is a test version of a test version, as I said. It's it's very buggy right now. Um, and, you know, I'm going to hold my Biomass article about Alpha 2.0 until they actually put it on the, the main server and get it get it stabilized a bit more um but it, it was a lot of fun and i really want to see what I, I i really am excited to see where they go with it and i think that if they can if they you know this they stabilize this and it grows um i ccp has a lot to worry about in my book well let me let me ask you a quick question so and this is something that we've played around with it you know for other games dust included the um you, uh There is a danger in a game taking so long in development by the time it actually ships, it's outdated. Does that make sense? Yeah. um, I mean, I'm not worried about that here because I think a big part of the performance issues that it has, perhaps, for better or worse, I think they're basically trying to build the equivalent of like if you were to try and build Mass Effect 2 in the Atari era. 
what they're already trying to put together, if anything, it's going to be small until it can until we can handle more of it. Um, I mm. mean, the game the game that we that they have in two point um, a single you know they're, they're like universe um, and they're calling it the baby persistent universe at the moment and pers- it's not really persistent either but it's a solar system right now it's not you know it's right now it's contained to one solar system and right now a single instance of it can handle 16 players um, apparently one of the reasons they it took them a while to get it to pat out to players is because for a while it couldn't handle more than two players <laughs> so that's that's you know their their performance issues is the biggest thing that they're they're working on it as you know and as I said analogous to dust where they're stuck in you know sixteen player mode right now um but uh, I I think the effects are the, the effects the the graphics work the design of what they're trying to do with the game is top notch and I absolutely think that it's a platform that they can build forth in the future um, and expand and I don't I I feel like they're not putting themselves in the in the they're not grounding themselves in today's technology and that may both mean that it fails because it can't be built right now or that they're positioning something that by the time it's ready it can be built i mean that's fair i think it's one of those where the you're kind of you're racing things at both ends of it though and the unfortunate thing is going to it's still going to come down to uh how much money. patience yeah how much patience and money, money do you and, do you and, generate you know yeah obviously there's a lot of drama about people saying it can't be done or it's a scam or whatever i i think that um the very notion of what we we've seen in this build proves that at the very least it's not a scam intentional but whether or not it can see is succeed is still you know quite up in the air um oh, I, I think that's it's a, just really really cool to see what they're going for no, I, and, and I think that's a fair statement. And, and by the way, I don't, you know, like I said, I, I throw rocks at Star Citizen left and right, mostly because Chris Roberts has a, a he by all accounts is a couple things. Brilliant, a really good salesman, and erratic as hell. So there's <laughs> there's a very, you know, this is one of the ones where it, if if nothing else, what they, may, what they may end up doing, and this is not uncommon in, any kind of forward thinking business, they might actually be kind of the trailblazer for a lot of stuff, but their product ultimately fails. Uh, but I the people that were, see that. but the people that were part of it or the ideas behind it that push everybody else um, or the, the technical know-how that came together from it actually ends up spawning other things. I, the, an interesting example of this, believe it or not, if you look in the car world, if you type up Pontiac Aztec, go look at that car. When that first came out, it was panned. People hated it. It was all kind of different things. And about four years, three to four years later, yeah, it was the first one. And yeah, like, okay, that's what I thought. Three or four years after that car came out, everybody's car looked like that. But the Aztec died. It was like the first. It like somebody's got to be the first guy in the door and take the first bullet. And, and that may, in, in my opinion, is I think that is more likely for Star Citizen that they will get to a point where the game's released and all this other stuff. But through sheer sheer weight of debt, people's patience, and, you know, any number of other things, um, it might actually, might actually kind of die, you know, just collapse under its own weight. But a lot of the lessons learned actually end up spawning a, a, uh, you know, kind of a mini revolution in, in these type of, you know, big scale MMO games. 
people are going to collapse under the weight of the download patching. Every time it patches, it wants to download 30 gigs of data. It's insane. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely think it raises the bar for um, what a space sim should look like. Um, there is a lot of things in, in that Chris Roberts has detailed in designs that I'm like, that's probably not really going to happen, buddy. I think you're just kind of going on the hyper-realism design train without thinking how much fun or not fun that particular experience may be. Um, I think there's a bit of that. Um, there's, there, you know, he, he's, he's kind of uh, waffled back and forth around the idea of some sort of permadeath mechanic and that, you know, dying will actually be really rare in it because your, your ship and you have experienced all these various states of damage and injury and you can be rescued and recovered and whatnot. But let's be honest, um, if I'm playing the game, I'm shooting you till you're dead because it's fun. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's definitely a lot in the air, um, but I, I'm really excited to see this. I want to see more of this, this depth of game that they're trying to put together where there isn't a loading screen and there isn't, you know, a, a mode change when you land or dock somewhere. It's just, you're that person in the game and you can access everything in that world. Um, I think that's going to be the sort of thing that's eventually going to dominate what you can do with virtual reality as well. No, I think that's pretty cool. I mean, like I said, I, I threw rocks at it, but it, they are ambitious. It deserves the rocks. Yeah, it, it, but but as you said, they're an ambitious company, and um, that's probably an ambition in a in any kind of market structure is good because otherwise you end up with a plateau and get a lot of staleness. These are the type of things that will press people to to make all games better, probably. So I think that's probably a good thing. Bait, Pokey, any thoughts on Star Citizen? Nope. It's funny that you mentioned that the, the comparisons with Dust when you were describing how the, the pre-alpha is going, and I had to laugh when you, you pointed that because I was thinking the same thing. But, you know, again, I think you probably nailed it where certainly their vision is impressive. I, I think that they're, the fact that they're pushing towards that vision is impressive. It's a matter if it actually happens or if it happens soon enough for people to actually care. Because if it takes too long for the tech to catch up to what they want to do, no one's going to care and they're going to be moving on to the next game. But, you know, I I do hope the best for them. But it's on PC, so it's not going to be stuck on a dead platform waiting for a port. Oh, that's... Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, it had to be said. No, that's that's fair. But yeah, no, I I really do hope it succeeds because from what I've seen, I obviously am not in the pre-alpha or whatever, but from what I have seen, it looks very impressive and I, I... I love the idea that persistent, there's no game mode. You're just a guy and you've got all these tools to work with and it all works seamlessly together. I think that in itself is amazing. And I hope we see more of that because even if they do fail, that that's definitely a direction that the, the uh, gaming industry needs to go. Cause it's, it's awesome. And, you know, I think the tech is going there and especially with VR and we, we just, it needs to happen. It may not be with this game. Hopefully it is, but if not, it'll happen eventually. I think it's going to be great. I think that's pretty cool. And like I said, I, I'm I'm interested to see what they come up with, if for no other reason than you know, sheer morbid curiosity. Uh, I, should, I should specify before we move on, and I haven't tried it yet, um, but during the Steam sale, because I loathe to give this company money, but $14 was cheap enough, um, I did buy Elite Dangerous, so I can try it for comparison, uh, but I haven't, I haven't actually done so yet. So I'll have to report on my thoughts on that too, because I know, you know, Whenever you bring Denny on here, he's he's got a fanboy out about it. So I would be kind of interesting to, interested to hear a comparison of that of Elite Dangerous and uh, Star Citizen. Elite had some some buzz when it came out because it was essentially a 
a modern re- rebuild or retelling of, of a very old game, or at least a quote unquote classic game that started a lot of things, you know, that sprung a lot of space games and things like that. So I'd be interested to hear what, uh, what your thoughts are on that one. Yeah, I'll give it a shot when I get a few moments. All right. Um, so what kind of sliding over to a different game, uh, this weekend world of tanks came out for uh, the PS4 on beta. Uh, so I have been diving into that pretty hard and it's incredibly fun. So world of tanks, um, just so everybody understands that that is an, an incredibly popular free to play PC game, like a very, very popular game. Uh, and it is got a fairly strong international, like a global uh, following, if you will. So the general thought behind World of Tanks, as you can imagine, a lot of tanks. Uh, so basically, it's armored fighting vehicles, all the way from like reconnaissance vehicles to artillery pieces, tank destroyers, tanks, things like that, from kind of the World War One through Korean War era. So somewhere around the around the 1918 through the early 1950s time frame when the, the technology gaps weren't uh, weren't overly huge because once you get past that in sort of the like modern like no pun intended but the modern warfare era uh, the technology gaps start getting really big and things get kind of crazy so uh, it, it is effectively a tank simulator it's uh, it's a mixture of third and first person views uh, and they the thing that is interesting about World of Tanks is it is not an arcadey type game. It is very close to a simulator in that the physics and the type of mechanics that you use in the game are very realistic. So armor matters in different places on the tank, the type of ammunition you use, the angle that you strike the tank with your bullet or your your round, that matters. The use of cover, the use of camouflage, the use of reporting, marking, team play. It is a very, very tactical game. You can have some pretty good-sized fights. You can have 32 on 32, uh, so 16, 16 to a side, and it's it's pretty good, actually. And there's a very wide variety of t- the type of tanks that numerous different countries uh, on the PC side. Currently in the beta, uh, and it's only going to be, on a, I think it's a short open beta, uh, the beta tanks are a pretty good chunk of the U.S., the German, and Soviet tanks are the are kind of the meat and potatoes of what you got on the PS4. Now, when, I think when it goes full up, it'll have all the different countries. It's like seven different countries worth of tanks, numerous classes. There's a ton of different upgrades. So if you imagine every, not just every tank that you saw in like a World War II uh movie or something like that but literally the prototypes where they might have only made like two or three of them those are also in the game because that that period of time was very well documented and they went through they made a lot of tanks trying to figure out how to make them or made a lot of combat vehicles rather so very very popular uh amongst uh, amongst people a lot of eve players actually play it you, you as zell says is very popular to alt tab over from eve while you're mining or doing something else and play some tanks waiting for groups and yeah yeah, yeah it's it, i mean mitani.com covers world of tanks a lot because of it it's it's a big interest over there it, it is and i mean it's a it is a very very popular game so um they put it out on the Xbox earlier this year, uh, and I'm kind of surprised that, tank, that World of Tanks hadn't made the jump to consoles because it's 
it's an easy leap. And there's really no competitors for it on the console either, by the way. So it made the jump to Xbox One earlier in the year, and then it, it came out for PS4 open beta. Uh, general impressions, it's outstanding. Now, you do have to kind of like vehicle combat. Uh, the pace of the game is much, much, much different than it is in a first-person shooter, uh, dramatically different. Uh, it is also a one life and you're done kind of thing. So when you start a fight, when you're dead, you're dead. Now you can still watch the fight and you can stay in comms and you can talk to your teammates and kind of help them out, which is a really neat aspect of it. And the game kind of encourages that, uh, actually not, not that dissimilar from how rainbow six works, by the way, pretty, pretty similar to that. Uh, so I hopped on, uh, bam havoc and I've been playing quite a bit, uh, and quite a few of our friends from dust, like, you know, many of the, like almost everybody that we were playing with were old dust guys. Jolly Roger was, uh, you know, a famed dust player back in the day. He, we were playing all day today. Uh, looks good. Feels good. Runs at about 60 frames per second. Uh, no server issues to, to speak of. I've been going strong for about two days and it had one minor hiccup, but that's pretty on par for the course for any game nowadays. Uh, sounds good. Feels good. The controls are really, really smooth and very intuitive with the PlayStation controller because normally it's kind of a keyboard mouse setup. Um, and so my general thoughts, it's free to play. You can you can do side grades or there's no item in game that's actually truly uh, a distinct decisive advantage that you can get. It, it's a they have figured out the free to play economics component very, very well in World of Tanks. Um so right now, this game covers PC, Mac. Uh, it's mobile. They have it on phones and iPads. Uh, it's called World Tanks Blitz, and it's actually pretty good on the iPad. Uh, and they've got it on Xbox and PlayStation. Now, the, the interesting thing I came out of this with was, one, generally very impressed with it. It's a beta, so not all the functions are out there, but it's quite good. It does have some good social mechanics. So you can join, you can set up your own clans and groups in it. Uh, you can have it has a platoon function in it, so you can have your own your own uh, your own fights. You can also the part that I like a lot is you can actually scrimmage against another team. You can so imagine kind of like how you did Planetary Conquest and Dust, and you had to go through this massive drama mechanic to have a single fight. Here you can whip up a a, a match between anywhere from I think two to twenty. Literally, as long as both sides queue in, you know, like you queue up the match and it's a pra it's literally a practice match against, you know, whatever group of people that you want. It's a really, really neat function. Uh, and online in the PC world, like where it's a very mature gaming community, th this is a very competitive and very tactically oriented game where you have, you know, a lot of thought out strategy. There's God, there's a ton of maps. There's like 20 very, very large maps. A variety of different weather conditions that change the game a lot. So overall, I would say very, very impressed. It is open beta in the PS4. Recommend you download it, check it out. It's got a really deep mechanic for researching, building, and buying tanks, and you got to upgrade your crew and all kind of stuff like that. So if you're really into almost like RPG type mechanics, like a deep set of uh, upgrade builds and different packages that you put on tanks, a lot of different variations. There's a lot of cosmetic stuff you can do. If you like having that that amount of complexity, this is a potentially a good game for you. Um, the other thing I, I kind of caught on was I don't I do not believe that this is a 
cross-platform game. I don't, at least I don't think it is. But this is definitely the type of game that could really lend itself to cross-platform play between uh, desktop computers, PC or Mac, uh, and then Xbox and PlayStation, just because the speed of the game is, it, or the tempo rather, it's pretty easy to work with. And there's not, not going to be a huge drop off in terms of either keyboard setup or mouse or keyboard mouse setups or uh, PS4 or Xbox controller setups in terms of like a decisive advantage in the, the minute to minute gameplay like you do like in a, in a lot of first person shooters. So and for all I know, they might actually be angling for this at some point is, is a full true cross platform play where they all meet at the server somewhere and what you see is what you get no matter what a guy's playing on, which I think is actually one of the next big things in gaming that they really got to crack into. Uh, and, and that would definitely help a lot of things out. So could be interesting to see if that if they go that way. Uh, but overall, really, really good, really good, good impression. If you like vehicle combat, highly recommended. Uh, if you guys, has anybody else played uh, World of Tanks in any other venue, either uh, on one of the consoles or on PC? I have not, but it's one of those things that I've seen kind of the corner of my eye and I just haven't thought about just because there's so many PC games and, you know, I, I didn't really jump on it. But now that it's on PS4, and I, I probably will pick it up as, you know, something to fill the time between other games when they get stale. Because from the sounds of it, it sounds like I would enjoy it. Um, obviously, I do tanks and dust a lot and, you know, I'm about customization and that sort of thing. So that would be definitely something I'm looking forward to. So I'm probably download that later tonight. Is it yeah, free? It is. Uh, the oh, base I mean, games, the base games, all free. You can you can literally do, you can actually have a really good time and never spend a dime in the game. Um, but they also the, sell like golden tanks and stuff like that. Oh, I don't care about that. Yeah, they do, that. but they're they're literally their stats are no different than any other than any other tank in the game. Uh, you just you, you get some advantages from them, but they're they are not uh, decisive advantages. You can do you can get things like. Uh, like gold ammo and stuff like that to do a little bit more damage, but it's really not a factor until you're like in really, really super high end competitive type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the matches are, can be very quick. Uh, so they really depend on how good you are. I started a 16 on 16, like before I jumped on the show tonight, it was over in five minutes. Uh, you know, cause if you only got one life, you know, once you're done, you're done. Uh, those, those can go pretty quick. Some of the, some of them, can go a while. Like once people actually start learning how to fight in these things, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of jockeying for terrain and picking your shots and stuff like that. Cause you can't just hold the trigger down and keep firing. You know, it, there's a reload speed and you're firing one round or you might have like a, a small uh, cassette magazine of like four or five rounds, you know, for like a, a small cannon, not a, not a big actual tank, large, large main gun, but it's really good. Uh, so as a change of pace game, probably be pretty good. It, but I would I would say that the strength of the game is when you kind of get into it and get into the tank build part or the tank upgrade part, and then upgrading your crew and then kind of going along that way. It's pretty cool. And if you do get in, by the way, if you do get in the beta, you'll get a couple of premium tanks for free. Like it, they give you a couple of really nice premium tanks that'll last you for a while uh, if you want to keep using those. All right, so I think we've covered our two game reviews for the night. Uh, Bate had one that he wanted, he had, or not a game, but he had a topic he wanted to bring up that we've been v- remiss on talking about here recently, but we, we definitely should have dived into it. So, Bate, why don't you tee up your uh, your topic du jour for the evening? 
Uh, yeah, the um, I want to say it was about looks like three days ago, the uh, new trailer for uh, Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice dropped. Um, so I watched that a couple of times. Pretty impressed by it. Um, I yeah, I mean, I I appreciated that it um we got to see what characters actually were like um for the first time. You know, some of the casting is a bit odd, and we didn't really know what to expect. And I think this trailer first gave us a good um good idea what we were getting into. Yeah, you talk about the casting being uh, being a little bit odd. Uh, watching that trailer when they first show um, uh, fuck Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor, he comes up as you know kind of psychotic. And in the back of my mind, I was thinking, eh, maybe they should have cast him uh, for the Joker. But uh, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how the uh, how the character plays out. Yeah, I, I was very impressed with the uh, with the trailer. I, I've I'm very anxious to see this one. I, I'm I'm a Marvel guy, but you know, kind of the classic DC pantheon is really really cool. And um, you know, Superman versus Batman is is it, it you know that 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 has the potential to be really really good. And I agree with Zell that you really got a, a sense of the characters for all these folks, or at least the kind of the the big ones. Um, I, I have to say that, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think Ben Affleck's, he's looking pretty good as Bruce Wayne and Batman right now. Yeah, I, I, I think I was I was pretty happy with his performance in that. I mean, it's not a lot of performance we get to see, but it's it's enough, I think. Yeah, it's, I think the tension that you saw between Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne was exceptionally well done in, in a very brief, like, 20-second clip. It was really good, uh, and it, that would probably pepper throughout the movie, I, I suspect. Uh, I do agree with Bate, though, that Jesse Eisenberg, who who's pretty good, by the way, in a lot of things, I, I'm i just not feeling the whole Lex Luthor kind of crazy Joker kind of vibe. It's that's very much against like kind of the traditional core character of Lex Luthor. Uh, so... I'm going to have to see it. Like, this is one I'll have to reserve, reserve judgment on until I see it in the movie and kind of see how it, uh, how it all, all unfolds. Speaking of against core character, I have to bring it up. Um, at the end of the trailer, it looks like Batman is holding an assault rifle and I take issue with that. <laughs> nope. He was, um, and it was when the, they were having kind of the face off with doomsday and that I actually noticed that. And then I had a, a very similar take on that. My, my, very very brief Google foo uh, brought me to that was that is reportedly and, and say say what what you will but that is reportedly uh, that was a weapon that was designed maybe even by Lex Luthor and given to him to kill Superman with it's like a you know maybe some kryptonite powered you know M4 or something like that but um, that was at least the the scoop that was. That was being thrown around on it, which would make a certain amount of sense. Because at some point, you know, like if Batman was going to actually do in Superman, which he has a plan to do that, I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, hitting him in the face with a kryptonite baseball. It's probably going to be something a little bit more, a little bit more uh, modern than that. So I'm kind of reserving judgment on that one. But I did, I did catch that part of the scene. It was did 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 make me you know have a second thought there for a minute. What'd you guys think about Doomsday? I was not aware that he was supposed to be in the movie. Well, I knew they brought the actor back uh, that played oh, Zod man. in the last one, and oh. he, so I think he apparently did some a lot of the motion capture stuff for it. 
Is that what that thing is that looks like it's a freaking rock golem or whatever? When Batman's yeah, yeah. The honest truth the, was okay. I didn't know what it was till you said it. Okay. Yeah. No, that's. I'm that's, not enough of a Superman lore fanatic to that is, know. Uh, that would be Doomsday, and for folks that don't know, Doomsday was this, you know, it, it, big creature that uh, actually uh, killed off Superman. He like destroyed Superman for a while, uh, and th- that was a real thing. There's very, very, uh, actually, somewhat well. well well-publicized comic book event in mainstream mainstream news. Let's see. Other things I caught in that one. There were... I think generally it looked pretty good. Uh, I think it would be kind of cool to see the see the perspective. One thing I did notice is that it, like they... I think they redid parts of the battle from Man of Steel, but it was all done from Bruce Wayne's point of view, which... It's probably kind of interesting. Definitely gives you a very different take on the story and, and how those two guys came about. So uh, that could be pretty interesting. No sign of any of the other cameo heroes because there is still no. going to be the Flash and Aquaman somewhere hidden in there. And it wouldn't surprise me if there's another couple, three floating around. Uh, but I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Ezra Miller and Jason Momoa, they, they you know, Flash and Aquaman respectively, I literally think they're only going to get like a couple seconds of screen time here and there. Uh, it, that at least that's my understanding, anyway. Probably toward the end, right? Especially if they're trying to. Yeah, I mean, for not sure. Justice you're League introducing movie. a new a new Batman. You're introducing a new Wonder Woman. How many characters can they introduce in one movie without losing the people um, who are not like comic book fanatics to begin with? Four, five, it looks like, because uh, Cyborg um, will be in. He will be played by Ray Fisher. Um, oh, never mind. It looks like that's the only other one. I mean, it I is nice we're that we're. More. It is nice that we're seeing like this is not this is this is not a a movie that before the you know this recent couple of years that anyone would have tried to make where they take you know two of the top their top line characters and put them in one movie. Um, so that's exciting to me. Um, I'm really excited for this, for the same reason about, um, I'm, you know, we'll see how it goes, but I'm really excited to see Suicide Squad just because mm-hmm. it's not a movie that I could ever, like, if you asked me five years ago, if I thought that was ever going to be a movie, I'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you think that they're maybe trying to set up everything too quickly for, um, for the Justice League movie? Of course they are. They got a lot of okay. catching up to do. They're like nine movies behind on Marvel. <laughs> yeah, but I, I didn't think the Justice League stuff came out for like two years, though, right? Or am I, or am I kind of off on that? Uh, uh, let me look. 2017. Yeah, two years. Hmm. Okay. That should be kind of interesting, then. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. 2017's not that far off. It's a year and a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, that's fair. Admittedly, I, I, you know, I still think of like, you know, crazy movies at the end of the Marvel phase, you know, three or whatever as being, you know, so far off there. But, you know, we got Doctor Strange coming up this next year, too. So I am actually very, very keen to see that. Uh, That that should be pretty good. Well, I'm hoping that will be pretty good anyway. That's a uh, my understanding is that's supposed to be a a big turn or a, a definitely a 
a serious offshoot from the normal kind of the way the Marvel movies have worked. It's apparently uh, significantly more darker. And it's also the first time they're going to bring in sort of the mystical or, or the magical aspects of the Marvel universe. Whereas like in Thor or with Thor in the current MCU, kind of they've, they've sort of explained away a lot of the, what was traditionally magic, uh, magically powered, uh, you know, beings and stuff like that with that being just hyper advanced technology. Uh, so, which worked very well in the MCU so far, but I'm kind of interested to see how this works out when they actually bring in like magic and stuff like that, the fantastical elements yeah. of the of the Marvel universe. I mean, um, and that's something we've kind of been seeing a fair bit with um, uh, Arrow and Flash for for DC on TV as well, um, because when they started Arrow, they they hyper realized every character down to like if it was a real life you know thing where you know. The character that would make people, you know, had a superpower to make people like, you know, drowsy turned into a drug kingpin who used a drug that did that sort of thing. And Arrow started by removing like all of the fantastical elements of things. And then when they started bringing Flash in, they added superpowers in, in, into that universe. And then now back over on the Arrow side, they're introducing the mystical stuff. Um, and I don't know if you, you know anything about this, but they had a huge like two parter. Um, between Flash and Arrow uh, on December 1st and 2nd um, that was all to line up the, their new series as well. Yeah, uh, no, that that is true. Well, and in general, I would say the, the DC TV universe is, is incredibly well knitted together and they've been slowly adding components to it until now it's, it's kind of full on comic book comic book he wears I, I would definitely agree with you the arrow started out as a uh definitely a uh like a, a spiritual bro to like uh the christian bell dark knight sort of vibe right where they took you know previously fantastic characters made him fit in the real world and then they just they went from there and they didn't they didn't stick to that at all yep no i, I think that's pretty legit now I, again dc the i think the um you know the, the dc movie universe is starting to shape up to be pretty interesting. I just hope they don't go overly gritty and, um, you know, I, I hope they don't, they don't Superman snap at next Batman with assault rifles. I mean, yeah, I, 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 well, as we talked about before the show is like the, the, I had a little bit more issue with the Batman and the rifle thing. Although I, I like I said, I'm, I'm willing to bet you that there's probably more to it than it's just like a machine gun. The, um, I, I I will offer this though that Superman has killed quite a few folks. Uh, he just ha- he has a great deal of self restraint, but he he he's generally killed a lot more people than 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 Batman has on a lot more. So uh, just a I'm showing my comic book nerd nerdism right there. One thing I am kind of keen to see though in the DC universe is um, I'm. I'm starting to, to gain some, a little bit of credence to the Red Hood theory. I don't know if you guys have heard that heard about that. If you've played Arkham Knights, you'll know what I'm talking about, or Ark, uh, the last the last Arkham game. You'll understand what I'm talking about. But there is a, and this is obviously no spoilers because this is a a fairly well known thing in in uh, the comic book world. You can easily Google it. Um, there is a school of thought that. Uh, the Jared Leto Joker might not actually be the original Joker. That could be Jason Todd, who was one of the Robins uh, that was basically 
not brainwashed, but sort of uh, transformed into the Joker, so to speak, by the original Joker. There's a uh, there's a, a pretty pretty historic, very very solid storyline uh, in the comic book arc in the in the Batman world where that happened. Um, it's really it's really when it's called the death of Robin or death and family where Robin actually gets killed by the Joker. Then you find out many, many years later that he wasn't, he wasn't actually killed, but he was kept for several years and sort of uh, very painfully conditioned into kind of becoming more of a Joker minion. Uh, it's a, it's a great storyline and, and it looks like it almost might kind of have be setting up that way a little bit. Cause there's a, uh, there's a Robin suit that's uh graffitied up there's like an, a lead pipe in the hands of the robin suit in uh, bruce wayne's bat cave and that's that that's basically a very direct nod to the death and the death in the family storyline i think they covered that storyline in one of the uh the batman begins animated series didn't they yeah it was called uh, red hood yeah okay yeah, i think i remember that i'm not too versed with the the lore of it all but i do remember seeing that uh episode or movie of batman begins or uh, Batman Beyond, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was Batman Beyond. Yeah, it's it it is pretty legit though. It's uh and Jared Leto, in theory, like he would be about the right age. You know, he he gained probably about 15 pounds of muscle for the for his role as the Joker. He's pretty. It's actually pretty cut when you see him in the Suicide Squad trailer. So it'll be it's kind of interesting to see if if there's any credence to that at all. But that would be a really really good storyline. Uh, that also implies that Dick Grayson, the original Robin, who's uh, kind of now known as Nightwing is somewhere out and about in the DC universe as well. All right. So folks, let's go ahead and um, kind of bring this one to a close. We touched on a lot of topics tonight. Um, and none of them dust. None of them dust, but you know, that's what happens when there's no news. So you find other good news. So it's, it's, it's it was just, yeah, just in case anyone was curious, there's literally nothing this week at all. I'm sorry. There's just nothing. Nothing. We we couldn't make something up. No, that's that's okay. So um, I'll tell you what. Let's go real quick through shoutouts, and uh, I'll put another put another hook in for the uh, for the GoFundMe site for uh, Rob Adams. So let's uh, let's go and start up there at the top with bait. Uh, yeah, I'd like to give a shout out uh, to my corporation, the Incorruptibles. Uh, love playing with you guys as always. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to a member of that corporation uh, named Peer. We had an incident uh, probably about two weeks ago now, and I forgot to mention it last week, <laughs> um, where he landed a dropship between uh, Ripley Riley and uh, uh, Redberry, um, giving me uh, time to rep Ripley and him to reload. And then Peer took off in his dropship, flew away, and the the enemy's just standing there fucking looking at him as he's flying away, confused as all hell. And uh, Ripley's able to go in and uh, and get the kill on that. So shout out to uh, Pure for deploying cover. It was fantastic, dude. All right. Good stuff. Uh, Zell. I'm going to give uh, my shout out to my personal hero, Adam Conover, and his TV show, uh, Adam Ruins Everything. Well done. <laughs> All right, Pokey. Um, I'll actually give a shout out to the, the very small amount of CCP related news is all of the devs that were out at the PlayStation convention showing off EU Valkyrie. Uh, they had a really big line there. It looks like the reviews on the, the demo they were showing was really good. There's some new gameplay out there. So good job, guys. I'm, I'm really looking forward to playing that game. All right. And my shout out tonight is to uh, the GoFundMe 
uh, site. I'll give you the name exactly here so, so we don't mess it up. Support for Summer and Savannah, and we can put a link in the show notes. Uh, again, this is a uh, this is a pretty direct uh, direct bit of uh, donations that, that will go to uh, the the widow and the daughter of Rob Adams, who is a uh, a fairly well known Eve Online gamer that went by the moniker of Photon Torpedoes, who was killed in the uh, terrorist attack in San Bernardino this week. So again, uh, you know, at least my you know at least my thoughts are going out towards uh, the family of Rob Adams. I did not know him personally, uh, but anytime that the community comes together for things like this, uh, I I think it's a little bit of our duty as uh, members of the community, uh, part of the media, to to help put this out. We also did just just to go ahead and quell any tinfoiling. We did confirm that that is and verify that that's actually a GoFundMe site that is tied directly to to his wife. Uh, it was set up by not her, but by somebody. But we have verified that the that the uh, the proceeds will go to the wife and the daughter. Uh, this is also being supported by Matani.com, uh, and they have they have also fact checked it as well. So we do recommend uh, at least go check it out. And if you're if you have the capability and the uh, and the desire, please uh, give a little bit, help them out at uh, support for summer in Savannah at GoFundMe.com. So. With that, folks, we're going to bring episode 83 of Biomass to a close. And again, as always, we appreciate any feedback you guys have. If there's games you want us to play, movies you want us to see, or shots you want us to take at Zell, please come up on the net. Uh, you can find me at, at Jason Larison on Twitter, and you can find uh, Zell at, at OCD Trekkie. But I won't read it Twitter. or care. He doesn't. Uh, and and you also have the ubiquitous at Pokey Draven. Who does answer his Twitter? Bait, what's your what's your uh, Twitter handle? Uh, my Twitter handle is at Bryce underscore G71. There you go. At Bryce I will read underscore it. G71. Mm-hmm. And you can always hit us up at the biomass.com website uh, where there's plenty of contact us links. Uh, so please give us a holler. Let us know what you want us to talk about. And we'll be glad to be on. Or if you're interested in coming on the show or want to nominate somebody to come on the show, have at that as well. So folks... As we say, good night and good luck.